Welcome to ETF Working Lunch, an ETF.com podcast in partnership with women in ETFs. We get together with some of the smartest women in this business and we talk shop. I'm Cynthia Murphy with ETF.com, and today I am joined by Aisha Hunt, a well-known fund industry attorney whose experience in the 40-act fund world is extensive, and who just this month launched her own law firm, Kelly Hunt. Welcome, Aisha. Thank you, Cynthia, for having me and for helping me celebrate the launch of my new law firm, Kelly Hunt. I, I'm really excited for this. It's quite the accomplishment. So first of all, congratulations. Thank you so much. I'm very excited about the launch of the firm. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, law, regulation, all this good stuff in the world of ETFs. At Kelly Hunt, you will be offering all sorts of legal services to asset managers in the ETF and mutual fund space and in other vehicles. So Tell us a little bit about your experience. You you come most recently from Vident and VIA. You've been with Alps. You have so much experience in the space. How has your work over the years with, you know, the 4 Act fund uh, rules and regulations, if you will, brought you to this step right now? And what opportunity do you see and what need do you see that propelled you to start your own law firm in this space? Thank you for the question. My journey as an investment management lawyer started over 21 years ago when I started my practice as an associate at Wilson Sonsini in Silicon Valley. And at that point, I represented private equity managers, venture capital fund managers, and I really um, focused on advising them on how to not have to register their funds under the 40 Act. So I really started on the other side of the fence in terms of my legal practice and developing 40 Act legal expertise. I transitioned to becoming a 40 Act attorney when I joined Dodge and Cox as Associate General Counsel and was hired as a second attorney in the history of Dodge and Cox since it was incepted in 1930. Um, Dodge and Cox was an amazing experience. They were the first asset manager to adopt a code of ethics um, actually in 1930 before the 40 Act was passed. Hmm. And they really helped me understand what it meant to be a fiduciary. I mean, Dodge and Cox was very focused on not just being a fiduciary, but really being a steward of their client assets. And so it was interesting to watch them you know, implement a soft close when they had capacity and funds just to make sure that they were you know, honoring their, their role as a fiduciary and steward of, of client assets. While I was at Dodge and Cox, there was significant rulemaking from the SEC, including the new, at that point, um, compliance program rules for advisors and funds. Um, the proxy voting rules were, were passed. New code of ethics rule requirements were adopted by the SEC. And this all came on the heels of market timing and late trading incidents um, in the early 2000s. I transitioned um, my practice to be much broader by joining Wells Fargo as in-house counsel. I also served as um, in-house counsel at Alps as general counsel and, and you know, was general counsel at Vident and was fortunate enough to be able to also serve as a partner at Deckard. Um, that was an absolutely amazing experience. It, all of the experiences have, have broadened my tool belt quite a bit. And I think the culmination of the breadth and depth of my asset management legal and industry experiences is the launch of my law firm, Kelly Hunt. I have to ask, you know, why the passion for this part of, of all the, the legal tracks you could have chosen? You know, what is so compelling about the fund industry, ETFs or the 40 Act uh, legislation? What, what draws you to this space? 
you know, I think it's one of the most innovative spaces uh, in the financial services industry. I mean, ETFs, you know, ultimately, uh, you know, weren't formally regulated um, until the new ETF rule passed, right? So it's been an exciting space from a legal perspective when the first ETFs were launched. It was really as a result of very hard work by, you know, ETF issuers and their counsel to negotiate with the SEC staff to create an ETF product. So it's always been an innovative space that's been cutting edge. And I think as new ETF entrants enter the space, they're bringing, you know, amazing investment strategies um, to market. The innovation that's going on in the ETF industry, I think far outpaces what we saw in the mutual fund industry historically. And, you know, super excited about, you know, some asset classes that are being developed like crypto, um, while, you know, the SEC hasn't yet green-lighted uh, crypto ETF, except with the use of crypto futures. It's, it's an exciting space. And I think, you know, one element of the space that I'm particularly interested in supporting is this convergence, right, of um, folks in Silicon Valley who are always trying to innovate, you know, different industries. And, and they've really, you know, undertaken over the last, you know, decade or so, innovating the financial services industry. So for me, you know, my I, I grew up in, you know, the financial services industry with, with you know, established firms like Dodge and Cox, Wells Fargo, and to be able to leverage that expertise to help shepherd in a new generation of financial services products that are innovated by folks um, who are pioneering, you know, so much innovation in, in Silicon Valley and in, you know, obviously all of the major financial services markets in the U.S. and abroad is just extremely exciting. You know, I was going to circle to this at the end, but we might as well just go there. I think it's really exciting that, you know, about Kelly Hunt, not only you are the first women minority founded law firm in the asset manager space, which is a huge accomplishment, but you're also accepting crypto as payment. So, you know, not only you're telling us you like innovation, you're actually there in the front lines by accepting crypto as payment. So tell us a little bit about that. Absolutely. Well, I'm proud of both of those first, right? Um, becoming the first, you know, partner at a firm that is women, women and minority owned. I mean, that is something that, you know, is, is much more common in other areas of law. So when you think about your trust in the state's attorneys, your family law attorneys, there are a significant number of women and minority you know, owned firms. Uh, why should the 40 Act be any different? I, I actually, you know, didn't intend um, to be the first, you know, partner at a law firm that um, focuses on the 40 Act and ETFs and other investment products that's women and minority owned, but um, it, it just so happened to be the case. And, you know, they say when you can stop counting first, you're making a lot of progress. I hope my firm is just, you know, one of, of, of many firms um, down the road that are women and minority owned. With respect to cryptocurrency, I think it's really important, as you mentioned, Cynthia, that, you know, we really make an investment in validating crypto as an asset class, as service providers that want to provide services to products that are employing cryptocurrency investment strategies. So I thought it was really important to help support the asset class and to hopefully get other financial service providers thinking about how can we help support the asset class and and ultimately help shepherd not just through our services, but through the way we operate our business models, crypto as an asset class. No, that's I think that is so exciting. And I can't wait to hear. Maybe we'll have to touch base in a few months to see how that's going. The the processing of that crypto, whether people have been receptive to it and how that works 
you know, from a business side perspective. So we'll have to, to circle back to that. I wanted to, to talk to you about two other couple things. One about just this idea of the ETF ecosystem and how it's evolving as the industry grows. And the other about just the role of the fiduciary. So, you know, from your perspective, I mean, your work with, with Vidant and VIA and Alps, just firms that are out there helping, you know, connect perhaps different parts of the ETF ecosystem, as we call it, to really help new people come to market, especially since the ETF rule basically really lowered the the bar of entry. We've had so many new issuers come to, to play. Just, you know, Walk us through this concept of the strategic partnerships as this kind of evolution of where this ETF ecosystem is going. You know, we're moving away from the big issuer and the big, you know, well-established service providers that they rely on to just these, you know, different strategic partnerships taking place to really create a pathway for managers to launch ETFs for the first time. You know, what's important to understand about what the ETF ecosystem looks like today to a newcomer? And, you know, what is are the critical points here if you are completely new to the space and you're trying to launch your ETF? Thank you for that question. Uh, I think it's really important to first define ETF ecosystem. You know, I define the ETF ecosystem as a universe of ETF service providers needed to launch, operate, and grow an ETF. You know, the universe includes investment advisors or asset managers, sub-advisors, index providers for passively managed ETFs, the exchanges, administrators, distributors, custodians, proxy solicitors, um, legal counsel, and other key service providers. The ecosystem is rapidly evolving to innovate how these services are offered. You know, while most service providers will continue to offer their services a la carte, Some service providers are only offering their services to select asset managers and ETFs. Others are bundling their services to offer turnkey trust platforms. And most folks are familiar with the multi-series trust model where unaffiliated managers can pull their fund assets to launch ETFs more cost effectively. And that tends to be, you know, the type of platform of choice for new ETF managers. You know, my firm, Kelly Hunt, leverages, you know, my legal and industry experience as being one of the few ETF attorneys in private practice who has not just served as a partner at Deckard, but also, you know, as general counsel at Alps and and Vidant, I've represented Alps advisors, Alps, you know, distributors, Alps administration business. Um, I've represented Vidant's, you know, index provider business, as well as, you know, via um, Vidant's ETF sub-advisory business. And I think, you know, what what I'm hoping the value proposition um, that will resonate with managers will be and will help, you know, support navigating the uh, ETF ecosystem is I really do understand um, the various service providers' business models. I understand the economics. I understand the pros and cons. I'm familiar with how the sausage is made at each of these types of um, service providers. And so, you know, my goal is to position the firm, you know, as uh, really a, a guide for new ETF managers. And whether that, you know, include emerging managers, um, maybe they're alumni from, you know, well-established managers or they're coming into the, you know, ETF space with, with new innovative um, investment strategies or established mutual fund managers, right, that are looking to build out their product suite. Um, What I'm hoping to do with other like-minded, innovative service providers is to really elevate the ETF ecosystem to to further innovate open architecture ETF trust platforms to allow managers to more cost-effectively launch, operate, and grow ETFs with 
not just a bundled solution that has been put together by, you know, some service providers, but really um, a solution that uh, focuses on, you know, best in class levels of services offered by strategic partners who are leading innovators in the ETF space. It's in part why I spun out my legal practice from Vident. Service providers like Vident Investment Advisory, VIA, under the leadership of Vince Burley, a CEO of Vident Financial, and Amrita Nanda Kumar as president of VIA, has truly revolutionized ETF sub-advisory services, you know, offering, uh, you know, that's a firm that has one of the deepest ETF portfolio management benches um, and provides capital market support that's just not easy to build out internally if you are an established you know, manager that's not in the ETF space. Distribution partners like Flex, under the leadership of folks like Brian Moran and Jillian Del Signor, have innovated the ETF distribution space by offering a flexible outsource distribution model that scales as asset managers and funds uh, distribution needs evolve. You know, what I'm hoping with my firm is that I can innovate with this next generation of ETF ecosystem service providers by offering alternative and flexible legal fees that lower the barriers of entry to help asset managers bring to market ETFs with more competitive expense ratios, right, to, to give them more opportunity to grow assets uh, more quickly. Uh, so I'm super excited about what I think really is the next generation of the ETF ecosystem and very innovative service providers that are, you know, trying to make launching an ETF as seamless and cost effective as possible while maintaining very high levels of services. So if you're new to the ETF space, say you're a mutual fund manager or, you know, somebody in a different part of the financial world and you want to come to market with your very first ETF, you know, we talk about easier entry, but what's the first step here? Is there, you were saying, you know, there's no such thing as a bundled solution. So is every path to success unique or are there steps, you know, on this road that apply to every newcomer? Is your first call to you, an attorney, or is your first call to a distributor? Or, I mean, is there a recipe for you know, higher chances of success as a newcomer to the ETF space? You know, I, I don't think there's a one size fit all. I think it's about, you know, what path is most suitable for each asset manager in terms of, you know, bundled um, solutions. There are certainly bundled solutions. And I think, you know, what I was trying to relay is that not all bundled solutions are created equally, right? And so you want to make sure, you know, when you, when you learn about various bundled solutions or turnkey platforms, that you understand what service providers are embedded in those solutions. So in terms of how do you kick off your due diligence to launch an ETF, you know, it, it'll depend on your network, right? So some asset managers will reach out to a contact at, at an exchange. Um, some will reach out to an administrator. Most experienced, you know, asset managers tend to start with calling, uh, you know, a law firm. Law firms historically have, have done a great job of providing uh, managers with an orientation of the ETF ecosystem. And more importantly, I think what law firms are able to bring to the table is to discuss sequentially what you need to do from a legal perspective to actually launch an ETF. In addition, you know, law firms such as my firm have, you know, broad networks of ETF service providers, short lists where we can make introductions to strategic partners, whether that be, you know, administrators or folks like VIA um, to provide sub-advisory services or flex for distribution. We also can provide some, you know, insights with respect to how do you compare 
these different turnkey solutions? What are the pros and cons? What feedback, you know, have I received over the years about going down different paths? For example, you know, it's been fascinating how people find themselves into coming into the ETF space. You know, for Alps, um, historically, Alps was, you know, quite a force with respect to wholesaling ETFs, whether that was Wisdom Tree or, you know, Select Sector Spiders, um, the Qs, but they were a little, you know, late to the game when it came to launching an investment advisor, right? And you have with Vident, Vident came into the business as an index provider and then subsequently launched via as a sub-advisor. Now Vident has launched its own proprietary um, investment advisor. And I think that those two paths are really indicative of, you know, how folks get into the ETF industry based on their network and contacts. And while I think both of those paths were ultimately effective, I think if, um, you know, there had been an initial discussion with an experienced um, ETF attorney, there would have been a greater assessment of, you know, what blueprint makes sense to try to effectively and efficiently enter the ETF market. And more importantly, where should an asset management firm or a new entrant position itself in terms of the ecosystem? Should they position themselves initially as an index provider? Should they initially position themselves as an asset manager or a distributor? I think it's important, depending on the business objectives of the entrant, to understand where do they want to position themselves and where do they ultimately want to land in light of the pros and cons of those options. Hmm. Yeah, that's fascinating. The journeys at the end of the day are individual, even in a space where everybody has to kind of go through some similar steps. Let's talk fiduciary duty. We know that RIAs, you know, financial advisors are fiduciaries for the most part. In the context of this evolving ETF ecosystem, is that where fiduciary duty ends at the advisor's hands? Or are there other entities in the ecosystem that you think should be tasked with that status? I think, you know, one of the most uh, important fiduciary duties sits with the funds board, right? So an ETF's board, their really task is, you know, guard dogs on behalf of fund shareholders. And so, you know, they're, the, the buck stops with the board and I think with the investment advisor, right? And I think we're the ETF space has struggled a bit. Um, and again, this goes back to orientation and, and to the ETF industry. Often new entrants that have an investment thesis, an innovative idea for an investment strategy are, you know, presented with the option of being an index provider, right? And so there are index providers that are essentially the economic sponsors of an ETF. Well, that, you know, particular role has uh, some, you know, potential implications that I don't think index providers fully understand. I think the large broad-based index providers like S&P and others, they get it, they understand, they've been in the space a long time. But if you're coming into the ETF space and you're looking at, you know, potential models where you're leveraging, you know, the SEC investment advisor registration of another asset manager and you're serving as an index provider and the economic sponsor of, of the fund, frankly, the SEC does not view you as, you know, really having uh, any role with respect to making decisions in the best interest of fund shareholders. And that essentially is the, you know, uh, cornerstone of what it means to be a fiduciary. And so because index providers, um, most index providers, some are, but most index providers, bespoke custom index providers that have come into this space 
are not registered as investment advisors with SEC, they're not tasked with having a fiduciary duty. In fact, they don't have the authority or the discretion to make decisions with respect to shareholders in their best interests. And so this goes back to the discussion of, you know, how do you position yourself um, in this industry, in this ecosystem? And, you know, I think a best practice is if you truly want to have, you know, the most influence um, uh, over a product and you are assuming the role of economic sponsor whereby you're underwriting, you know, the success uh, or the expenses of, of an ETF, it's worth, you know, really seriously considering whether you register as an investment advisor with SEC, especially with the new you know, ETF rule, you don't need to obtain exemptive relief. It's a much more straightforward prospect to become um, an SEC registered investment advisor and position yourself in the ecosystem so that, you know, as you're underwriting, you know, fund expenses as economic sponsor or you're influencing marketing and distribution and, and paying, you know, for those fees as well, that you really are in the best poll position. You know, I don't think some index providers fully appreciate that their index licensing agreement can be terminated by, you know, the investment advisor asset manager. And, and that's a potentially precarious position to be in if you've, you know, been the economic sponsor and you, you know, are um, financing marketing and distribution. So I do think that um, it's important that we do our best, especially as we try to elevate the ETF ecosystem to do a better job at education around the various roles in the ETF ecosystem and how um, new entrants should position themselves so that it's it's something that's, you know, in their long-term best interest from a business perspective and a legal perspective. So a fiduciary status isn't just good for the investor, uh, it's also good for business. Exactly. And that's a, that's a really eloquent way of putting it. <laughs> good. Well, you heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> Well, this is really, really fascinating, Aisha. I was, I was thinking maybe we circle up the the conversation here on, you know, looking ahead uh, from your perspective as you, you know, launch this new firm and look ahead to what the opportunities are. You know, what's really on your radar right now? What stands out in terms of where the industry goes to next? What role you specifically can play? in that evolution and that growth of, of the ETF market. What excites you going forward about this business? Yeah, I think, you know, in addition to the innovation that we discussed earlier in terms of um, innovative investment strategies, I think the biggest opportunity is really just mutual fund managers, right? That very established mutual fund managers that have started down the path of considering, if not you know, haven't already built out their product suite to include ETF products because those managers right now have, you know, mutual fund products and DC 401k plans, right? That's the holy grail. And I think, you know, as these mutual fund managers, you know, begin to build out their product suites to include ETF products, they will, you know, be able to get, a, you know, a foothold with respect to broadening the ETF products that are available through defined contribution 401k plans. And, and that's really where, you know, the bulk of the assets are, you know, that I think um, managers um, should be focused on, on that trend. How how are mutual fund managers navigating moving into the ETF space and how can they, you know, create inroads for ETF managers in the future to be able to 
access those assets, the, the 401k assets. I think that's the biggest opportunity. And I think where my firm adds value is having, you know, been in-house counsel at, you know, some of the most established asset management firms like Dodge and Cox, as well as serving as a partner at Deckard. I know how to translate for a mutual fund manager what it means to uh, transition to the ETF space. It's interesting when you talk to some managers, you know, in the mutual fund space, they use the term sub-advisor very differently than how it's used in the ETF space. They think of a sub-advisor as, you know, an investment advisor that they delegate day-to-day portfolio management to really leverage the investment expertise of that sub-advisor. In the ETF space, you know, historically, because the bulk of products have been passively managed, an ETF sub-advisor is, you know, doing what VIA does. They're um, providing day-to-day portfolio management with respect to the underlying portfolio, but they're also providing capital market support. I mean, to be able to leverage hard-earned relationships with APs, lead market makers, and to be able to, um, you know, outsource to a firm cost-effectively to support um, that capital markets function is something that in my discussions with large mutual fund managers, even since launching um, so recently, it's it's a point of discussion where we're just talking about level setting on terminology, right? And so I think where my firm can really help is I've been practicing law from, from really every angle um, in the ETF industry and, and in the 40X space. And my goal is to you know, really be able to have a service offering that assists, you know, not only innovative new ETF managers, establish ETF managers, you know, further innovate, but also to help establish mutual fund managers be able to cost effectively and efficiently due diligence their path to build out an ETF product suite or to convert existing product into ETFs. Uh, so I'm, I'm hoping that that's a, a good opportunity for my firm that, that I'm able to really execute on. Mm-hmm. No, that's excellent. Well, Aisha, we will have to leave it there. Congrats again on Kelly Hunt. And um, thank you so much for joining the show today. Thank you so much, Cynthia. I really appreciate it. Folks, if you would like to hear other episodes that we've recorded previously or learn more about ETF Working Lunch, please check ETF.com. If you would like to learn more or get involved with women in ETFs, please check womeninetfs.com. On behalf of the ETF.com team, thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you next time.